Get in the cart. Right at us. The best in the business, Roger Cleveland. Can't wait to get back to Chicago in this one. This is Party of Four, a Mistwood Golf Club podcast. You know, it's not every episode of the podcast that the first person that talks is actually in the studio. In the intro, that is the one and only PGA head golf professional here at Misswood, Frank Hohenadel. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Just wanted to see how you react to that. Of course, as always, we have PGA, director of golf here at Mistwood, Andy Michelson. What's up, Brooksy? <laughs> we'll get to that. We will get to that. No, let's jump in that right away. Okay. You can't say Brooksy at tournaments anymore. You're going to get tossed out. That's Jay Money, and that's what he's saying. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so no more mashed potatoes, none of that stuff? I heard the mashed potatoes in the uh, playoff that they had last week. The so. first thing I thought of when I heard of that was the scene in Happy Gilmore. Remember when Shooter McGavin goes to the uh, the tournament director and is basically uh, saying that he's got to get kicked off tour? Like, it, it played out in the exact same way. It was just so stupid. What do you think of the yelling, Frank? Um, I didn't really even know about that new rule, but um, <laughs> no, it's... Pretty dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Simply put, I'm not a huge fan of the dumb things that people yell, but if it's just something like that, I think that's a little nitpicky. For sure. I mean, what's what's the need to identify that particular relationship versus versus anything else? All it's going to do is make things worse. I mean, I know we're jumping ahead here, but if we want to start talking Ryder Cup, how's that going to work out? I mean, this Ryder Cup relationship is going to be absolutely awful. No one likes each other. You've got um, DeChambeau telling Cantley to stop walking during their during their playoff this past week. It's it's not looking great. And no one likes Patrick Reed, including us. Right. And he's, if he's out there, I mean, how's this whole team going to get along together? I guess he's uh, on his way to Atlanta in a motorhome, so he's, <laughs> he's going to get there before uh tees off on Thursday. You a big Patrick Reed guy, Frank? Um, in team events, that's it. Yeah, individual <laughs> events, not my guy. Not your guy. No, Stricker has his work cut out for pairings this year. That's for sure. Yeah, that's good. that's gonna be a rough one. And Phil was named uh, assistant captain. I think I saw. Was that what was leaked out? I think he tweeted that because that was wasn't Cantley. Cantley at the end when he won, leaked that out. I think I heard. Phil tweeted an hour ago. During recording here, I'm humbled and honored to be part of this year's Ryder Cup as an assistant captain. Thank you, Captain Stricker, for including me, and I hope to help in any way possible. Go USA. I don't know, man. How do you not put him on the team? How do you not put him on the team? <laughs> Reigning major champion. <laughs> You're right. Reigning PGA champion. Doesn't make the cut. That'd be unbelievable to As- have him on the team. Assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it feels like. It does feel like that. Well, Frank, we brought you in here. We'll, again, get to this Illinois PGA Championship winner sitting across from me. Um, another top ten finisher next to me. I'm glad I was able to join the club. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, again, all right, let's, we'll go there now. We'll go there now. Uh, past week, uh, again, the Illinois PGA Championship, Andy came out on top. Frank, top five, uh, fifth place. So, awesome. You guys are headed back to another – PGA National Championship, PGA Professional. So that's awesome. And, Frank, you won this PGA Championship 10 years ago now? 
2011. What's that like winning that? Uh, it was very cool, very unexpected. Um, it was my first year as a PGA member, and I uh, definitely didn't see it coming. Good start. Good start to my career, basically. So Andy got to feel a little of that this past week then. Yeah, I mean, it's the same way, just just the same way that Frank was talking about where it was unexpected. I mean, I haven't I've made no bones about it. I haven't played good all year. So, <laughs> um, you know, Frank actually helped me out with, I was talking about with uh, changing my grip a little bit and just gave me a little confidence uh, going into the week. I mean, it's a pretty small list of guys actually in the last 20 years that have won that aren't named Mike Small. So to kind of be amongst uh, the few that have done that is, is pretty darn cool to have Frank and I have both done that. In the last 10 years at the same course is, is, is pretty cool. And, um, you know, to be able to, to share that trip going to, to Austin again, and, you know, we're going to stay with one of our past members down there as well. So I think each time you go, I would imagine, you know, Frank's been, this is what, your seventh now uh, that you're going to. I learned a lot in the first one um, just, just from a emotion standpoint, from a nerve standpoint, um, what to expect going in. And, and I think it's going to only help to be more confident that this time through. I mean, the last time I just felt like, I don't know, I was all over the place emotionally. I was just kind of trying to hang on and didn't feel confident in all the other, other stuff. I mean, what are some of the emotions that you've kind of felt over all those years when you've gone, Frank? Um, yeah, I mean, the, I remember the first one just being super nervous, um, just seeing cameras. I've never played in a tour event before, so just the ropes and cameras, totally different feel than I'm used to just playing locally. But, yeah, I mean, the next year, definitely, definitely a lot more comfortable out there and played a little bit better. I actually made the cut my second year. So coming into this week, coming into the qualifier, um, Andy made a nice prediction. He told me I was going to finish top four. You laughed at me. I didn't feel that at all. Yeah, um, right. Just Ivanhoe, just not a. It's not a great fit for my game. Uh, it takes driver out of my hands. It's that's one of my weapons, and um, you can either look at it as a positive or a negative. So I kind of flipped it as a positive and just said, okay, I can hit my two iron where most guys are hitting their three wooden driver, and just knowing I can Bingo. put it in the fairway. So. Yeah, we're playing in from the same spot, but I'm getting to that spot with a two iron. So it's that was kind of my, uh, I kind of spun it as an advantage for me. And also, I mean, you're one of the best ball strikers in our section. So, I mean, you've always got that kind of going for you as as well and, and being able to hit it in those spots. And I was, you know, you, you, you hit things like that two iron so well and just the distance you're able to get. You know, if we're all hitting to the same area, to your point, it's, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for other guys in the field to hit it in those in the in those spots. So I, I I just felt like it was a distinct advantage and obviously you're one of the better players in the in the field. So I didn't think a top five was the top five was definitely out of the mix uh for you. And I actually thought it was the the way you were hitting it, I thought you were you, know, you were right there. You were leading after the first day and thought uh it was a good dogfight coming in. I really wanted to put more pressure on him. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> the goals changed very quickly right. after the six holes. Um, it went from trying to win it to holding on for the for the National Club Pro Trip. But That's um, the hardest thing to explain to people that have never played in this event is it goes from an, uh, an event you're trying to win to at some point it flips to, oh, my God, I have to qualify. Yeah. And I've been in that situation now the last three – three times well this time it was a little different but the first time i'm in final group with mike small and and brian carroll and i'm trying to win the event up until like the 14th hole and then i make a bogey and now a couple of guys i know are in front of me and i just happen to see a scoreboard which was a huge mistake and i see him like t4 and i'm like 
oh my gosh, I've, I've got to, I've got to qualify for this thing. So now I just kind of whiff it around and tried to make it, you know, on the number. And I think I came in seventh or eighth, but it was because my mindset just completely flipped from trying to win a golf tournament to, oh my God, I need to qualify. And, and that's the hardest part about this. You go through this whole gamut of emotions, especially if you're within kind of that top 10 going into the last day, you're trying to, it's like, you're trying to win it on the front nine. And then the back nine is like, all right, oh my God, I got to qualify uh, for the event. It's, it's the weirdest feeling. It's one of the weirdest feelings I've ever had uh, in a golf tournament and, and seem like I've experienced it the last three years. And it's just so crazy because it's, it's almost something that you, you don't have full control of as far as, uh, as far as emotions. It's probably some of the most pressure that I've, I feel like I've felt on a golf course. I know your phone's right there. You can check your phones. Frank, you mentioned something to me that you did check your phone, and you don't usually do that. No, yeah, it was the first time. I've, I'm not a scoreboard watcher at all. It was the first time I checked it because I just I needed to see something to motivate myself after I think I made two doubles in a row. So I'm like, okay, I've got to be in, like, 20th place. And I looked at it, and I saw other people struggling as well. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm still in this. Just, you know, right the ship, make make some birdies and pars, and that's kind of how I finished finished up pretty well yeah you finished strong uh there at the end and then andy you're coming up to me because i have the fortunate opportunity to watch you guys play and you're wondering like hey are they close and i'm like oh my gosh what do i say to andy like to motivate him or have him be a little worried that there might be footsteps no you said the right things which was you're like well just hang in there just kind of keep doing your thing and the thing that i noticed too is like as i got into about the eighth or ninth holes and made the turn all the media guys are coming over to our group. Then you get the the dot productions guys that were doing the the filming, all those guys. And then you've got, you know, a few of the section people are, you know, you see them tweeting and stuff. And it's like, I'm in a good spot, but I definitely don't want to know where I'm at. So I think I went over to you and Kevin after the 10th, 10th hole after I made birdie. And I said, don't tell me anything until, unless I ask you, because I've, I've made that mistake before. Um, uh, different times, even at, at Pebble Beach five years ago, I made that mistake. Um, I said I don't want to know unless unless I ask you. And so when I got off of fourteen to fifteen, I there are two very easy par fives that I should have birdied both of them. Actually, both guys in my group birdied both of them, and I'm like, gosh, I I think I I think I've screwed up here. I I think I might have just lost the tournament. Walking to sixteen T, um, one of the gentlemen from uh, Nadler Golf was sitting there. Uh, you know, our title sponsor of the event, and I went over to him like, all right, I'm trying to decide what I'm going to hit on this tee. I'm like, can you show me the scoreboard real quick because I don't want to pull out my phone. My hand's shaking. I'm nervous as hell. And he shows me the phone, and I'm five up. And so I'm like, nope, it's going to be three iron paradise right here off of this tee. Laced the three iron down there, left myself about 185 yards, and hit, hit six iron, really good shot uh, under the green. And I knew once I got past that 16th hole, kind of it was um, pretty easy home stretch from there on because I could just hit another six iron on 17. Uh, I think it might even hit seven on 16 or on 17. And then 18, I had a game plan, which I know Frank didn't like, but I was going to hit it as far left as I possibly could to make sure I didn't hit in the water because the day before, Mike Small ruined his entire second round and probably his chance to win the tournament by making eight by dumping it out right uh, on two shots. Um, on that 18th hole, that 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 hole's very treacherous, and that's really the only spot you can really screw up is hitting it right. So I hit it as far left as I possibly could with driver, and happened to have a window, and got up to the front and two putted, and 
wave the crowd. It was kind of how how I wanted it to go coming in. It was it's very uh, very kind of easy feeling. It, actually, it was probably the most comfortable I felt after I saw the where I was at on the scoreboard. Probably the most comfortable I felt those last three holes playing versus probably the last two days of the tournament. I didn't <laughs> like the driver play on eighteen for him. Um, I played with Jim Biller, the host pro, yeah. and he had three wood left like you're saying that you can hit it anywhere left he hit it over the mound and it went down to the creek it's hard it's hard pan over there yeah. it just runs out yeah, that's so true you got to get the bank off the hill no you're right. you're right i look up i see andy's pretty much in the forest and that was all part of his plan he had a, he had a clean shot to the green but i was like a little worried at that point i'm like how did he end up over there well the worst part was the guy right in front of me uh tim strang hit it in the water right so i'm like well I'm sticking to my plan. This thing is going as far left as possible. I've had the opportunity to watch you guys play uh, and see the consistency. I know you guys will be modest. I know how much you guys don't get to golf. So for you guys to consistently put up fairly good numbers and places in these tournaments is is awesome. And I think that's why we obviously have you know one of the best, if not the best, playing pros in the state here at Mistwood. And I'll argue that to the end of time. But – how do you guys prepare? I mean, you are teaching, you are working, you have normal jobs. How do you guys balance that? I think for me at this <clears throat> kind of, it's almost like at this stage in my life, not to kind of broaden it out too much, but you know, having, having this job, having these responsibilities, having kids, having the family for me, it's, and I've noticed this, especially probably the last five or six years. It's like, if I can kind of mentally get myself in the right spot, um, I can usually perform properly if i if i don't do the things that kind of mentally get myself in the right spot i i won't won't perform well because i'll it's almost like if you didn't study for a test right if you don't study didn't study for a test in school you were nervous going into the test because you didn't prepare enough and and for me the the preparation more or less comes in confidently seeing shots confidently looking at how i'm going to play that round and not thinking of the negative things that go into that round now there definitely is some some things that have to be happening i have to be feeling like I'm hitting the ball well. I have to feel like I'm putting well. I can't just magically go, okay, I'm going to shoot well because I'm in a good mental state. Uh, so those things have to come together. We have to, I mean, Frank and I practicing was 20 minutes the night before, <laughs> after we were done with uh, the club championship, which took way too long. You know, I, I was kind of surprised at how well we did on the first day, but I think we were both in a, in a good mental state. We went out and played practice rounds the week before. I don't know. What do you think, Frank? Um, I think for me, just as I've gotten older, just practicing smarter um, and not. I used to sit Amen. on the range for you know two hours when I worked at Midlothian when I was younger and I had nothing better to do. Just got off work, I'd go hit balls, I'd go play. Um, just don't have that time anymore. But um, now it's it's become like working on my weaknesses. So it's practicing putting, it's practicing bunker play, um, fighting a back injury. So I don't, I, I can't hit balls for two hours. Just becoming a better putter, becoming better on the greens. Um, it just it doesn't take as much time. And then just, you know, going out and playing, getting on the golf course, getting on the course with members every Friday. That's really all I need to that's, stay sharp. I'd say that's what I've noticed, too, about your game is, is you've gotten, I think you've played really well over the last two or three years just because of the fact that you're now dedicated to working on the things that you weren't good at before. You know, yeah. your wedge game has improved a lot. Um you know, your, your just management of your game seems to be better. Even I even see you being more aggressive on the golf course because the other elements are better. 
in your game, right? I yeah, mean, exactly. The fact that your wedge game is better and you're more confident in your punting makes your driving better because you're more aggressive with your driver. You're not just grabbing two iron all the time. I mean, certain courses like I haven't know it makes sense, but it seems, seems to me like everything else is kind of working back into the game. That's really a valuable lesson for for all the people that, that don't play this game for a living and play it for fun is you know, when you can sure up the things from the green back instead of the tee box forward, uh, a lot of those things kind of come into place a lot quicker. You know, I've always been one of the longer hitters and always hit it pretty solid, like Andy said, but um, just starting to play my best golf in my life probably in the last five years or so, just yeah. just working on those weaknesses. And I'm 38 years old now, so it's not really the norm to kind of peak that late, but that's that's where my game's at. It's good, though. Andy, you talked about it after the tournament, just how Mistwood helps each other, how you're competitive, but you help each other. And how important that is. Yeah, I, I don't win unless Frank gives me that little tip. I guarantee it. I, I, the fact that he saw, I mean, uh, I'm hitting all these tee shots left, and he sees that my grip looks different from um, what it has in the past. You know, I had a thumb injury last year. I actually had surgery in the off season to, to fix it, and I was still using kind of a, a very strong right-handed grip for me, and, and I was always very weak in the past. So seeing that, I literally – <clears throat> change the grip on one hole in this practice round and I hit a ball and I haven't felt a ball come off my club like that. And I don't know how long it just felt like it exploded off the club. And so I wanted that feeling again. I wanted that feeling again. And so I would practice a little bit. I basically just went in the event going, okay, you striped it when you hit it on that Thursday. Once you made the switch, you've hit a few balls and you've hit it. Well, when you've done that, there's no fear of the ball going too far left when you do it. So just, just go out and play it. Just be just be confident with it. But yeah, we we do it all the time. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. The bad ones I call drive by lessons. So if you get a little tip that that sticks in your craw and you start to get down a bad road, that's a drive by lesson. But then there's good lessons here and there. So yeah, we're always we're always trying to help each other out. And and also by having other good players on staff, it just it helps with. I've always talked about it, the culture around here is much better when when the pros are actively playing and things and, and when the pros care about their games, that, that makes for a better culture. Everybody wants to be around that. Everybody wants to talk about that. Um, as far as members go back to the staff and the staff, to the members just makes for a better environment. I know I go down to the performance center and I see everyone talking back and forth, you know, whether it's John Platt, Chris Iriati, Nicole, Dan Phillips. And it's just cool for me to observe again. I'm the fourteen fifteen handicap we talk about. So I have plenty I can learn. I just need to get out there and practice because it seems like at least some practice might help the golf game a little bit. Yes. <laughs> what else do you want me to say? Yes. I'll start either uh, green to tee or tee to green. I don't think it would make a big difference for me. Going forward, now we kind of get towards the end of the outdoor season. We'll move to dome season. What's the don't, best don't, thing? Don't talk about it. It's, it's way too early. <laughs> What's the best thing golfers can do heading into the fall weather, the colder weather? Um, I would say just enjoy the rest of the season because you're not going to make any really big improvements. Because <laughs> you'll hit dome season <laughs> or, eventually. Yeah, exactly, for the next two months. Uh, just enjoy the great weather, great course conditions. These are the best course conditions of the year is in the fall when you get the cold nights. Uh, you can get the greens nice and quick. The conditions kind of firm out. Leaves start to fall. These are This is my favorite time to play golf. Maybe it's like the nostalgia of this was always the important time growing up as kids, you know, playing in high school and the state tournament and all that good stuff. But this is definitely my <clears throat> favorite time to play golf. So I guess enjoy this, enjoy the weather. And then can't 
say it enough, when you get into the dome season, that's the time to start working on stuff. Because you want to be hitting the ground running when you uh, are coming back out on the golf course in March and April. You don't want to be trying to find it, spend half the half the spring finding it, and then you finally find it in the middle of summer and you kind of ruin half your year. So spend those spend those winter months with not only the technology that we have, but the teachers that we have uh, and working on your game. Yeah, I mean, I like to spend the winter months kind of resting um, my body. It's, it gets pretty beat up during the season. Um <laughs> But the, I mean the domes, it's it's so tempting in there. It's just there's so many cool things going on in there. It's it's hard to not get a club in your hands and and hit some balls on top tracer. So it's do a little bit of both. Hit some uh, some phases where I'm resting and and definitely the tempt of of hitting some shots too. I have to ask. I forgot to. How do you prepare week to week heading into different golf courses? Because you're playing maybe a course that's good for your driver, one that's not good for your driver. How do you change that mindset or prepare differently? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's thinking about the course and thinking about all the tee shots. It's um, like we said at Ivanhoe, I'm wearing out the two irons, so I'm going to go out in the range and, and just pick out a couple targets and try to hit it in between those two targets with my two iron. Um, if we were going to last year, we went to Conway Farms, where uh, I'll hit driver every hole out there, whether it's short or long, you can you can hit it anywhere. So I'll, I'll just make sure the driver's flying straight. Um, but, yeah, for me, it's all about the tee shot. Just getting in and play and, and hitting the right club, making the right choice. I don't know. I, I see what you're saying with, with going from course to course. I I don't put a whole heck of a lot of stock in that because I, I try and kind of make golf a little simpler than that. And, and the fact that I need to hit it in between these two spots or I need to hit it in this direction. And whether I have 165 yards at Ivanhoe or I have 165 yards at Mistwood or I have 165 yards somewhere else. I try and kind of neutralize all the other things and just, just play that number or play that shot. Um, and not necessarily get too wrapped up in, in, um, kind of overanalyzing how the round's going to go because that's, that's a dangerous road to get down. If you, if you take it to where you start thinking about some of the shot, it's great to, to, to use that, and I've talked about that before, it's great to use that in your preparation. But if you start to get ahead, what I find is most golfers get negative about those things. They start thinking and talking about the the holes that they fear, the holes they don't like. Um, there's plenty of those at Ivanhoe. I mean, I I knew the whole week would come down to, to me, for, for my game, I felt like the whole week would come down to how I played 16 and how I played the first hole. And that was it. And and so I, I kind of paid attention to those. But a lot of the times it almost relaxed me by being able to stand on the first tee and go, I could hit it in the trees right and still just make five. I mean, what's a five going to do out there? Everyone's going to make a bogey there. Or, like, it almost relaxes you more to identify those but not to get too too kind of wrapped up in them uh, course to course. So I, I, I tend to try and simplify things and, and so go, this shot is this, execute it, hit it to there. It's fair. Frank, we couldn't bring you on the pod without talking about the Chicago White Sox. <laughs> you are a noted White Sox fan. Sure am. And how are you feeling about their chances this year? Can you give me a prediction? How far do you think they'll go? I mean, to win the Central? They're probably going to win the Central. Yeah. We know yeah, they're going to win the Central. We've got that locked up. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think everything's coming together. We fought a lot of injuries all year. Um, healthy, very healthy right now. So kind of need to hold that going into the playoffs. Um, Mancata's got a nice little 15-game hitting streak going. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think Tim Anderson just went to the IL, though. So, 
We're gonna have to check on that. No, we're uh, we're gonna be okay. But um, well, if yeah. you play the Pirates every night, you'll be just fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Sox look really good, and they absolutely pulverized the Cubs. I just don't know how a team can score 17 runs, then score zero, then score 13. It pains me to admit this team looks a lot like that 15, 16 Cubs team where they did pretty well. Even if <laughs> the the crazy thing about the Cubs, I felt like back then was that even if the starter sitting, the guy that's coming in for him is going to be a starter on some other team in the next two years. There's always that guy, yeah, and deep. it's oh my gosh, they're crazy deep. And they basically have two closers that they can't can't even find a, a spot for. I mean, it's it's crazy. You got two guys that are like amongst the top five or six closers in baseball. They're trying to figure out where to put them. Pretty darn yeah, good. It's a good problem they have. Yeah. I was going to say, not a bad place to be. No, the place has been rocking. People have been going. It's it's fun to watch. I talk about my past, you know, working for the White Sox for a summer and with Hawk and DJ at the time up in the booth and spending time. Uh, Hawk would call me Big Ben. What's going on, Big Ben? Give me a hug. <laughs> so, uh, that was the last time when uh, I was done with my internship. Good guy. But anyways, just good people over there and a completely different energy uh, back in 2008. I mean, you're still riding high after the 2005 World Series at that point, and now it's like Cubs fans, you, you know, we still revert back to 2016, 2016. It's what we got, and so the White Sox are trying to refresh that a little bit, get it up to 2021, but it's fun to watch. I love exciting baseball in Chicago. If the White Sox can be good, I'm fine with it. Big Bears guy, too. What do you think? Just, you on the Justin Fields bandwagon? Yeah. Yeah, big time. Um, Get his jersey not. yet? <laughs> he had a Cutler jersey for the fantasy draft the other night. I got a Cutler jersey too. Like, oh my gosh! No, I'm very optimistic with Fields. <laughs> um, I wasn't a Trubisky guy uh, right from the start. Just uh, wasn't impressed with the with the college with the resume coming in. Really thought we took a flyer <laughs> on him, and um, yeah, no, Fields is looking a lot better. Well, we got your, your thoughts on the White Sox. You didn't really kind of give us an answer on how far you think they'll go this year, but I'll give you one more chance. They're going all the way. There you go. World Series champs. <sighs> Done. Done deal. <laughs> You're not there on uh, it, Andy? No way. Come on. No way. I think they're more the Mariners of 95 than they are the <laughs> 119 win teams. Not consistent yeah. enough? Yeah, 115 win team that loses in the Divisional Series. I think Rodon's the key. Like, if he's pitching like he was – Start of the year. Oh my gosh, they're they're like impossible to beat if he's any good. I really think so. Yeah, that's what carried us through last time in '05. Four solid starters, so they're healthy. I think we're. I think. Well, that'll never happen again. That was it was four starters, and they gave up less than ten hits in four games. That that will like never happen again. It was dominant. It was unbelievable. All right, what's next at Misswood? What do we got? Close the thing out. We're not talking about the dome yet, so yeah, I mean, it's not allowed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the conversation gotta, has been revoked. No, I would encourage everybody. This is the this is the time of year. This is the best time of year to, to come out and play golf. Um, you know, it, again, cool mornings, nice nice afternoons. You know, it doesn't get too hot. Course conditions are usually great in the fall, um, and that's what we expect out here. So, yeah, I think it's a perfect time to play golf. I would encourage everybody to play golf through the rest of the season. I don't even think I need to encourage anybody. Uh, I think everybody's just going to keep playing until uh, until the white stuff falls. So, um, yeah, come on out. We're here. We're uh, we're excited. We're giving away hole in ones at this point. <laughs> two of them daily this, basis. <laughs> two of them this week. Two of them in the last two days. Yep. One last week too, and one last week. So two members this week. A public player last week. 
Yeah, like, if you wander out here, maybe you get some free drinks. We're like Oprah. We're just yeah. giving stuff away. <laughs> awesome. It's not an easy feat. We're going to have to have Ben tuck the pins or something, make this a little tougher out here. Nah, it's fun for everybody. <laughs> and the wallet gets a little lighter. Well, Frank, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. You've been Thanks one of our me. top guests. You were in that title. Until Is there next a time. Somewhere? <laughs> Is there a ranking? <laughs> we'll find out. We'll see everybody next time. Get in the car. Right at us. The best in the business, Roger Cleveland. Can't wait to get back to Chicago in this one. This is Party of Four, a Mistwood Golf Club podcast.